As we move from ski season to spring, it's time to get those mountain bikes out. Most ski families use season passes to make skiing more affordable and fun. If your family mountain bikes, there's a new way to save on those adventures too. Make the most of spring and summer in the mountains with Lone Pass, the premier North American mountain biking pass. Lone Pass gives you over 60 days of access to some of the best mountain biking destinations across the country. Use discount code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's Lone Pass today at LonePass.com. That's L-O-A-M-P-A-S-S dot com. Lone Pass is available in two versions, for kids ages 6 to 11 and the adult pass for ages 12 and up. The pass combines access to the most premier resorts, gets you into bike parks, and connects you to shuttle companies to get you where you need to be. It's the one pass you need to bring the best cycling to your family. Remember, you'll get two days at each of the resorts, parks, or shuttles, making the investment one that will pay off big. Remember to use code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's loan pass today. Welcome to the Ski Moms Fun Podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole and Sarah. Each week on the Ski Moms Fun Podcast, we share laughs and lessons from ski moms ranging from industry experts to first timers. Our guests share their stories and tips to help you and your family get to the slopes happy and coming back for more. You'll feel included, invited, and celebrated every time you join us. The Ski Moms Fun Podcast is brought to you by Mabel's Labels. Smart ski moms know to label everything before they head to the mountain. Every mitten, every boot, and every ski pole. Visit MabelsLabels.com and use discount code SKIMOMS for 15% off your order. So I'm in Vermont in my daughter's bedroom. Sarah, where are you? I'm also in Vermont in in an office, though. (laughs) Wish I had one. I'm actually in Whitefish, Montana um, in my living room because I do not have an office in the fifth wheel. So we are talking to Nellie Thomas today, who is the founder of Raising Little Rippers. And she's talking to us from Whitefish, Montana. And you are in your living room. I can see a wood stove behind you. Yeah, Yeah, best investment we ever made. It's really the only thing that gets us through the winters in a fifth wheel, which let me tell you is not easy. So what is a fifth wheel? Okay, so we're in um, a toy hauler. Are you familiar with different types of RVs? So originally when we showed up, we were in a Class A motorhome, which had an engine, we could drive it. And then when we decided to kind of settle down and stay for a little while, uh, we needed something bigger. Our kids were growing into teenagers. And so we bought a Cyclone toy hauler and we converted the back where you would normally store all your toys into a room for the kids. So you're, you stay there all winter. Yeah. Yeah. We're here through the winter. We'd been traveling full time and my youngest really wanted to be on a, a freestyle ski team. And so that's how we landed here. And now we're rolling into our sixth season. We've left a couple times in the summer and we just kept coming back. You know, it's definitely community that prioritizes getting outside. Um, which is what we were looking for. And I think that's why it's been so hard for us to leave. Um, Even in the summer, you know, there's just such easy access to outdoors everywhere. I've got trails five minutes from my house where I can hike my dog off leash, 
go snowshoeing, cross country skiing. It's just easy access. And the town itself has really dedicated um, the surrounding area to keeping it that way. So a lot of the land around here is public, but surrounded surrounding that public land, um, you know, you have private homes, but I don't think it's ever going to expand and get as big as a lot of ski towns have, um, which is a huge blessing. So Nellie, how did you um, become a ski instructor and fall in love with skiing? Did you grow up in a family that skied? Yeah, so um, I was taught to ski by my father. When my parents got divorced um, and I would visit him every other weekend, that's what we would do. Uh, In the winters, he'd take me skiing. In the summers, we'd go mountain biking, hiking, and... um, and he's the one who introduced me. You know, I, I asked him the other day, I said, dad, did I love it when I first got started? Cause I was four. I don't really remember. And he said, well, you never complained. So I'll take that as a, yes, I must've liked it. But, um, as I grew and evolved, I really, you know, saw the beauty in all that time we had together outdoors. And then in college, one year, my dad told me he wasn't going to pay for me to ski anymore. It was up to me from that point on. And I spent my first season not skiing. And so the following season, my mother, bless her heart, um, paid for me to take what was called a ski instructor's training clinic. Um, and it was through Timberline Ski Resort, which is on Mount Hood in Oregon. And at the end of the two weekend workshop, they offered me a job. And I had had so much fun. Um, just being on the mountain, being a part of that community was really inspiring to me to spend all day with people who loved being outdoors, who were passionate about sharing that outdoor experience with others. Um, I had always leaned in college towards teaching. I knew I wanted to work with kids and I got into psychology. And so as I got into psychology, I leaned more towards adventure therapy really fell in love with the idea of working with kids in the outdoors. I thought working with kids is great, but if I can combine that um, with the outdoors at the same time, I've really found my dream job. So did not think that ski instruction was actually going to be that route. But after a season of teaching, I thought this might be it. You know, I, I wasn't getting paid a whole lot, but I was having some great experiences. So, um, to my mom's dismay, after graduating college, they offered me a position as a full-time instructor, and uh, I jumped on the chance. So, you know, I spent a couple years working on the mountain full-time with everyone at home asking me when I was going to get a real job. And uh, as time went on, you know, and I started having kids, I couldn't work full-time anymore. I chose not to. And so I just kept working as a part-time instructor. And not only was it good for me to, you know, have that opportunity to get away from the house and get outdoors and, and do my own thing. But it allowed my family Mm -hmm. to keep skiing, which was a huge thing at the time we were living off of $9 an hour as a family of five. (laughs) And, uh, there's no way we could have skied otherwise, but, um, this is why I'm always encouraging um, moms who, you know, maybe need another way to look into being an instructor because a lot of ski resorts like Timberline only required me to work 18 days out of the entire season. And everyone in my family got season passes. And then on top of that, you know, we had um, discounted lessons for the kids. You know, I could get pro deals on equipment, um, lots of hand-me-downs through families up there. 
So Nellie has shifted gears and really become an entrepreneur in the space of teaching kids to ski and encouraging moms and dads to take on that particular skill set as a family bonding activity, as a way to spend time outdoors together, and as a way that's really very cost-effective as well. So where did you get the idea for raising Little Rippers? You know, I love working with the littles on the hill. For that reason, most ski schools love me because not everybody enjoys working with the littles. Um, I was in the children's program working with these three-year-olds and I was starting to have a lot of lower back pain. Unfortunately, I'm starting to think to myself, oh my gosh, I can't do this forever. You know, like picking them up and hauling them around. It's a lot of work. If I could just find a way to help people online, I could help those all over the country, not just mamas and papas right here on my home mountain, not just the littles that come to my lessons. I could take these skills and and really help people um, all over. And it was kind of a new niche that was starting to pop up. And, you know, as a mom who was bringing my kids to the hill when they were little, I always craved some community. I felt um, often alone. You know, people were always cheering me on and telling me how brave I was and how patient and amazing and oh, good for you. But um, I would have loved to have other moms and kids to go out and meet up with and ski with and, you know, offer each other support. So originally my thought was maybe I can just help other moms create community, um, come together at their home mountains. So I think people are more open, especially moms, to looking for coaching and instruction online than they ever were before. The other thing I noticed was there were people already helping moms um, introduce their kids to skiing. But there wasn't really anyone talking about some of the bigger questions. Um, What happens as your children progress? How do you get them to go from wedge to parallel? How do I introduce ski poles? Um, And so I started answering some of those questions and putting out, you know, my tips and tricks and and was really excited about the response. I feel like the community that um, I've been growing on Instagram is is that community I wish I had when my kids were little. Nellie, tell us a little bit about Raising Little Rippers and what you offer ski moms. I've just created or I'm working on my first um, coaching e-guide and it's called Risky Business. And it's all about instilling those risk management habits in your little rippers. So I have a newsletter that they can sign up for. And right now that's where I share a lot of my great tips and deals Um, that's where I'll be, um, announcing and launching my e-guide. Um, if you come to Raising Little Rippers, um, there's all kinds of wonderful educational blog posts. Um, I'm adding to that on a regular basis. Um, and I'm also working on launching that e-guide. And my hope is if that e-guide goes well, that there'll be a few more popping up over the next few seasons. Thank you to our sponsor, Mabel's Labels. Mabel's Labels Durable and Waterproof Labels are a ski mom's must-have. Keep your kids organized and easily identify their equipment at lessons, practice, or races. Simply peel and stick the personalized label on all your ski gear, including helmets, coats, goggles, and poles. They're guaranteed to last the ski season and beyond. Off the hill, Mabel's labels are perfect for labeling any items that go to school, like water bottles, lunch containers, clothes, shoes, and backpacks. Simply go to mabelslabels.com to personalize your own 
and use code SKIMOMS at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Exclusions apply. Code is not valid on stamp, reflective, or sale items. Let's take a quick break. Spring is here, and we know even after the snow melts, ski moms love to play outside. Skeeta, our favorite Vermont outdoor accessory brand, has you covered as the seasons change. This spring, Skeeta is celebrating its 16th birthday with fresh prints like the pastel, whimsical, and plein air collection. Our favorite pieces include the throwback headbands. This headband is made to keep hair and sweat off your face. The single-ply design gathers neatly in the back for maximum styling. Where it's scrunched or lay it flat, it's your perfect partner for any activity where you want a great pop of color and style with minimal fuss. For sunny days, we adore the Skeeta brim hat. This five-panel camp hat is the perfect grab-and-go companion. Made in a lightweight, water-repellent material, this hat is ideal for hiking, camping, and the beach. Whether you are cheering the kids on at a lacrosse game, exploring with your girlfriends, or simply walking in the woods with your loyal pub, Skeeta accessories are there to make Ski Mom life more fun. Save 15% off your order with code SKIMOMS15 at checkout. And now back to our show. So I have a daughter with epilepsy and we do a yearly certification on seizure safety. And it's a one hour online course and it walks you through what to do when um, your child has a seizure. And it makes me feel like I have some agency and power in a relatively powerless situation, not saying the two are the exact same, but I don't know when a seizure is coming along and similar to what you were saying, um, Nelly, you don't know when an out of control skier is coming along. So whatever we can do to make parents feel powerful and to let the kids know that they have some agency in how they ski on the mountain. Um, so I love that you're doing this work and what are, what resource resources do you have now for families I'm talking about it more and more on my Instagram profile this season. Um, just throwing out those different tips, even little things like um, the most recent one is if you're going to buy a new helmet for your child, make sure you bring their goggles to try them on so that the two fit together. You know, these are minor little things that we don't always think about, but um, you know, how your helmet and goggles fit together can have a lot to do with what happens during a collision. So um, I'm talking about it more and more there. And then also um, on RaisingLittleRippers.com, I'll be launching that e-guide here soon, putting everything out there that parents need to know in terms of teaching those risk management skills. What are they? How do I introduce them? At what age? Um, and how do I make it fun? How do I make it interesting to them so that they're actually listening? Do I know if they're even listening? Um but it is an evolution and I'm hoping to, I like your idea of a certification. Um, I'm hoping to evolve this in a way that will be much more interactive, not just a guide, but a challenge perhaps. Um, um, stickers or pins the kids can earn for you know acquiring certain skills or paying attention to something that's been brought up. Because I think it's really about, like I was saying earlier, it's about creating habits. So it's not about teaching a skill one time and saying, okay, that's that moving on, but actually creating a lifestyle, you know, for those who are going to be on the mountain on a regular basis. One of the things that you can start with from the very, very, very beginning, and we 
really don't talk about it much is how to bail, how to fall properly. Um, that's a really big deal because a lot of times collisions happen because people are out of control and they don't know how to bail. They're afraid to bail. They're afraid to turn, stop, fall over. So one of the first things I teach my kids in my lesson is how to fall properly. And that's with your feet across the hill, down the hill. You never want to fall head first. You also want to make sure that you choose to bail before, you know, you hit someone or something. So when you're feeling out of control, I tell kids to sit on their hip because if you sit to the side on your hip, I wish I could show you right now. <laughs> you sit to the side on your yeah, hip. Sarah and I are just practicing, as you just said, sit on your <laughs> hip. It's making me lean. <laughs> no, it's a really good way to think about it. It's a really yes. effective way to think about it. People panic. And when you have that moment of panic, especially someone who's learning, they're new and they're still out of control, they literally freeze. Um, so teaching these risk management habits are all about having automatic um, responses to things so that we don't necessarily have to think it through. It's just an automatic thing that the body does and that muscle memory. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, Nicole and I have been out skiing at times where we have just said we're going to, we have to call it a day because it's getting scary. There's people going by so fast that they're, you can actually feel them, you know, brush your shoulder when they go by. And right. There was one day yeah. we saw helmets rolling down and we just said, this is probably, you know, th there were too many people that were too out of control um, that really didn't know what they were doing. Absolutely. And, you know, helmets are designed to protect for a collision at 12 miles an hour, but the average skier is going 25, 30 miles an hour, especially if they're out of control. Um, that's such an interesting um, comment about the helmets. I did not know that it was a 12 mile an hour. I didn't either. Sarah, I like what you were saying about picking your moments to learn. And Nellie was saying this earlier that she thought Mondays were a great day um, and setting your family up for success in that way. So what about um, some first chair management tips, Nellie? So the first time you want to tackle that chairlift, you're moving off yeah. the tow rope or magic carpet. That's always an exciting moment, isn't it? <laughs> Getting on that chairlift. That's a big goal for a lot of kids. And you can use that as a motivator. You know, I've had parents um, over on the magic carpet who want to take their kids on the chair. The kid is begging to go to the chair, but they can't yet stop. And, you know, I, I tell them to use that as a motivator. Hey, you want to get on that chair? We got to learn to stop first. If you can stop on your own three times, I will take you to that chair. Um, but getting on for the first time, um, I always recommend you take some time to sit to the side and observe. Um, situational awareness, I think, is a really good thing to teach children, um, even at a very young age. You know, kids are very observant. And there are a lot of kids, depending on their learning style, um, just sitting and observing for a while can actually calm a lot of nerves um, and give them a lot of confidence. Um, other kids are just doers, right? Like, they're not going to sit and observe very long. They're just like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I have one of those in my family. Um, so it does kind of depend on the kid, but take an opportunity to um, stand at the bottom of the lift and help your child observe and watch what's happening. Where do people move? Where do people stand? How fast does the chair go? Do I need to look forward? Do I need to look backwards? Do you see how that happened there? And that person told the, the lift operator to stop the chair, um, giving them that knowledge before they get on. So it's not a lot of unknown. And then once you have an opportunity to do that, um, 
there's two things. One, I think teaching your child to ride the chairlift is all about building and creating independence. So from the get-go, I always encourage parents to try not to do too much for them. Um, let them shuffle themselves up in line. Obviously, give them a little assistance and guidance. Don't make them struggle, um, but help them build that confidence. I can do this. I can move up in line. I can stand where I'm supposed to wait. I can shuffle out when it's time. Um, when you have a very young child, the best thing you can possibly do is always load them closest to the lift operator. If you need assistance getting them on, you can even ask them to help lift the child. You can ask them to slow the chair. I do encourage parents to try not to slow the chair for a couple of reasons. One, we're trying to create that independence. And so we want the child to have a very realistic idea of what it's like getting on and off. And if you slow the chair every time they go to get on, they, they start to expect that and they might not move as quickly, pay as close of attention, these kinds of habits we start to create. The other thing is just for the ease of everyone else on the chair. If you've ever been on a beginner chair, you know that it's painful. Any chair really is painful when it stops for long periods of time again and again. Um, so try not to slow the chair, but if you need to, you can, especially the first couple of times. And then it's really all about, again, teaching them those skills that will help them to be independent. So the first thing I always teach is for the child to look as the chair approaches, look over their shoulder and reach for the chair. Now, most kids can't actually reach the chair. They might not even touch the chair. You're there to lift them up and put them on, but creating that habit from the get-go again, just creates that independence and allows them to, you know, progress much quicker in that area. What are some other, and we've seen the backpack with the, with the um, handle and the straps that you're referring to. Um, what are some other tools uh, that you, that you do think are useful or helpful when you're teaching your kid? Um, you know, the one tool that I've used quite often as an instructor is the edgy wedgy. Um, I call it a worm for the kids, you know, the little bungee that goes between the tips, yeah. you can screw it on. Um, I've used those quite a bit. I use those with kids who are really struggling to get the wedge shape. They, they don't, it's, it helps them create muscle memory. Um, once the muscle memory is created, you can usually take that off and they don't have a problem. The thing about the edgy wedgie is it, it and it actually, the thing about any tool that you decide to use is it can throw up some obstacles. Um, if you're not careful, you can create bad habits. So with the edgy wedgie, for example, I put it on at the top of the hill and I'll have them ski down with it on. But when we get to the bottom, I take it off so that they can shuffle in line um, because it can, you know, prevent them from being able to move their skis the way they need to, to get in line. Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot of fun with it. I, I call it a worm. I give it a name. We tell the kids we're going to take the worm on a ski trip. You know, when it gets to the bottom, oh, he's cold. We got to take him off and put him in our pocket because some kids will become dependent on those things and not want to get rid of them. It's they're fearful that if they let it go, they won't be able to ski. So, again, using those tools, but making sure that you don't use them in a way that makes a child feel dependent on them. Um, so using them, removing them. Um, the harness can be a bit tricky. I've seen some parents use the harness in really wonderful ways. Um, I've also seen the harness create really bad habits because it pulls the kids into the back seat. So mm -hmm. one of the things I like to do, um, and I should probably do a video on this because I don't see it very often. Go ahead and leave the harness on because some parents like to use the handle, you know, when they're helping their yes. kids get up or on the chair. But take the strap off and I've actually 
put the strap around the ankle or attached it to the ski boot. So now as I'm pulling on the harness, I'm pulling from their ankles and their feet, not from their upper body, pulling them into the back seat. Does that make sense? And you can yeah. actually use, you can use the harness in that way to actually control their skis and help them turn. Um, and again, as you pull back on the ankles, it keeps the body forward. So instead of pulling them into the back seat, you're keeping them forward in their boots. So I think there's a lot of great tools out there. It's really just a matter of using them properly. Yeah, I use the the backpack with the straps, but I use more like you said, I use the handle piece of it more because talk about like breaking our backs, you're yeah. able to pick them up uh, a lot easier, right? And it's easier right. on them too, I think, because it you know, it, you're not just like yanking them up by their arm right. and uh, helping Pulling them get them out of the if they're really <laughs> small. Yeah, no, yeah. I like that, but I could see what you mean that with all the, with the, with the straps and stuff there, there's a risk component to that too, if you're not really careful. What type of skills or what type of skier would be a good person, a good candidate for teaching kids to ski? So I think anyone with strong beginner to intermediate skills can actually teach their kids. If you can control your speed, if you can turn in both directions, specifically if you can use your turns to control your speed. So if you're a skier that doesn't have to wedge to a stop, but can use your turn to actually slow yourself down or come to a stop, then you've got the skills to teach. And I think the biggest reason I encourage parents to get out there and try to teach their own kids is not necessarily because, you know, they might have the most advanced skills, but because they are the most connected to that child. And I've learned through trial and error, those kids really want to be on the hill with their parents. You know, try a couple hours of lessons for the kids and then join each other on the hill and teach each other what you learned. Janelle, how, uh, Nellie, how old are your kids now and how many kids do you have? So I, I have three boys. Um, they are currently 13, 17, and 19. And I cannot believe how fast that has gone. And did you teach all of them to ski? Yes, I did. Skiing is the one thing, just absolutely the one thing that my whole family enjoys doing together, even my teens. And they've all gone through phases. My 13-year-old's kind of there right now where they weren't as excited about going skiing. Um, and that was hard on me, to be honest, <laughs> in the beginning. You know, it's like, what do I do with this? You know, but I just gave them the time and the space to come full circle. Um, I never wanted skiing to be a chore for anyone in my family. I don't want to take the joy away from it. So um, my theory has never been to force it, encourage, yes, force, no. Um, so we've gone through years where, you know, we're up on the hill except for one kid. You know, he's at home doing his thing. And I just allowed for that to happen. And now I'm seeing that come full circle. You know, my 19-year-old who doesn't have a season pass this year is wishing he had a season pass this year. <laughs> so, you know, I've seen that enthusiasm um, hang around as long as we haven't forced it. But it is harder. You know, as your kids get older, they're not as, as excited. I think that's why I really encourage skiing because we used to mountain bike hike. Hiking is my thing. No one in my family likes to hike anymore, but me, <laughs> maybe because I took them on a hundred mile backpacking trip through the high Sierras. And they all told me after that, they were absolutely done. But, but I bet your, your dog still likes to hike with you. 
I have a a theory that there's so many women like myself who get dogs in midlife for this very reason, because our teenagers don't want to spend time with us. So we get dogs um, and they, you know, every time we ask them if they want to go play with us, they're like, yes, yes. (laughs) They're always happy to see you. We love asking our ski moms what their apres ski version of uh, life looks like. So when you're done with the ski day, maybe it's just you or maybe it's you and the kids. What is your apres? What are some of your apres ski rituals? You know, we'll go up in the morning and take five, six runs, takes us about three hours and come home. And then it's literally on with the rest of our day. Like we need to do our chores. We need to get our work done. You know, we need to do our schooling. Um, So our pre-ski, I think is very different from a lot of people. I know a lot of people that they can't wait to get to the lodge and, you know, have that burger and beer. Um, We've never really been able to afford that. So we tend to head home and and make a meal and get on with our day. I, I love starting my day with time on the mountain. I used to come home and it would exhaust me, but now it just gives me energy. Well, you have been an absolute delight, Nellie. We are so thrilled that you shared your wisdom with us. Highly Thank encourage you. people to check out uh, Raising Little Rippers, follow you on Instagram, sign up for a course or two, and we will hope to have you back very soon. You were a wealth of knowledge and a great um representative of Montana makes me want to go to Whitefish. A huge thanks to our growing Ski Moms community. To help more moms find this podcast, please rate and review our podcast. This will help us get to the top of the search engine list. Thank you and thanks, Snow. No one works as hard as a Ski Mom. With Mother's Day right around the corner, we want to remind everyone to shop the Ski Moms gift guide for the best ideas. These are the gifts we want to give and get for Mother's Day. Prices range from under $10 for simple treats like notepads to big splurges like a new boot bag. Remember, the big day is Sunday, May 12th, so you want to shop now to make sure everything gets there in time for mom. Visit the SkiMomsFun.com gift guides page or click the link in show notes to see our picks for this year. Make it easy for your kids, partner, or spouse, and just forward them the link. Or better yet, treat yourself to something from our expertly curated Ski Mom wish list. Remember, visit SkiMomsFun.com and look for the gift guide page.